Welcome to the Zen of Everything, a Zen take on life, love, laughter, and everything else. With Jundo Cohen, a real Zen master. That's me. And Kirk McElhern, that's me, a guy who knows a bit about Zen. Good morning, Jundo. How are you today? I am wondering which circle of Buddhist hell we're going to end up in, at least me, from this podcast, because, you know, this is the irreverent, reverent podcast, and if I say one wrong thing, there's a good chance that I will be spending I don't know how long in one of the Buddhist hells, and there's a bunch of them. But haven't you sort of compensated that with all your positive karma points that you've earned over time? Or are you such a sinner that there's just no hope for you? This is the thing. We never quite know how we're doing on the karmic balance sheet until, of course, we, we meet King Yama. When we die, it's said that uh, not St. Peter, but King Yama is uh, waiting for us, and he has all the ledger books, and uh, he decides where you're going to go. So we can't just log into karma.com and check our karma point status on a given day. That, hey, that would be a great app to have on your phone. Like, you know, oh, I just got 15 karmic points. I, you know, it's like you're a Fitbit. You know, you can have your car, karma bit on your wrist. How many karma points you got that day? Hey, that's a good idea. We should look into this. Any venture capitalists listening, give us a ring here. But just think that that could help people, just as a Fitbit helps people to be more active, a karma bit could help people to be better. Look, it's a simple rule. Just intentionally try to be good. That's okay. It. It's, intention is important in Buddhism. It's not, you can accidentally do bad. That's yeah. okay. We're, we're fine with that. You yeah. know? But it, intention is the most important thing. So intentionally try to be good, and you'll be fine in the end. And if that doesn't work out for you, it's it's the other kind of Buddhism, not the Zen, but on your deathbed, chant to Amida Buddha, and I think you got all your bases covered. Okay. Okay. So what did you do today that's going to send you into Buddhist hell, of which there are many, I believe, right? Well, you know, it's uh, I've tried to today generally keep the balance sheet on the plus side, but we're actually not here to talk about karma. We're going to talk about rebirth. We did another episode on karma. Right. And I'll link to that in the show notes. But the thing is that rebirth is affected by your karma. Well, yes, rebirth is, according to traditional Buddhism, determined by your karma. And this is the point. On your deathbed, no one really knows what happened. Except that you die. But Except that you die. That, that's pretty clear. But then it said we go to the bardo. Uh -huh. which is like a great waiting room where you spend 49 days. Now, hopefully, people back here on Earth are chanting for you to help you through the bar bardo. The more people who loved you, this is the thing. Be good, because you'll get lots of people who love you, and they will chant and light incense for you and, uh, you know, have good thoughts for you, put in a good word for you, write a letter of recommendation to King Yama for you, 
And uh, somewhere in those 49 days, you're looking for a new womb, you know, mm. a new womb. Now, when you see the womb, you're in the, the waiting room looking for a womb. When you see the womb, now, by the way, this is probably not an early Buddhist teaching. These are things that came into Buddhism later, I believe. It is very big. The Tibetans are very big on this. Many traditional Buddhists of all stripes are very big on this. I, as most people who listen to this podcast know, I'm not so big on taking this literally, okay? I was going to ask about whether this is Tibetan or not, because I've only ever heard the term bardo around Tibetan Buddhism, particularly the Tibetan Book of the Dead. Do other um, Buddhist sects have the idea of the bardo, or do they use a different word? Master Dogen of uh, Soto Zen fame uh, spoke of it, at least in one letter, to a lay follower. Now, he may have been trying to con console the lay follower who was dying or had recently lost somebody. But he laid it out all in there. He said, you're going to be in there. And he said, you're going to be in there for seven-day periods leading up to 49 days each day. You keep chanting, chanting. He even told the guy what to chant, all right? And then that'll help you through. And then, according to some of the beliefs I saw, when you see the womb, this is not Master Dogen. This is uh, something I read from a Theravadan teacher just this week. Your something goes out the left nostril. And if it goes in the left nostril of, of the mother, you're a female. But if it comes out the right nostril and goes in the right nostril of the mother, I didn't get this whole thing. You're going to be male. I, I, again, I don't, I don't go into all the details on this. All right? Yeah, they like to split hairs about these things, don't they? Someone comes up with an idea and then someone says, yes, but if this happens, then it's this. And then someone else refines that even more to bring in a whole bunch of conditions. Yeah, I don't mean to make humor or fun of it. If someone believes this and it's their cherished belief, let us honor that and respect that. Okay? I can be a little skeptical, okay, about the whole n nasal rebirth thing <laughs> myself, you know. But uh, fine. So are we reborn after 49 days? How is 49 days measured, by the way? If, if you're reborn on Mars, aren't the, the planet the days longer? Does that mean, you know, we got to think about this as we travel to other worlds. What's, what is the 49 days? Why 49? Uh, you know, but okay. Well, 49 is seven times seven, and they like numerical stuff. There you go. There you go. So anyway. But did, I don't think they had a seven-day week back then. I don't think the concept existed. That's more of a Christian tradition, with Sunday being the day of rest. Yeah, I wonder if you get a day off in the Bardo. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder so, if there's any refreshments. There you go, right. You know, but this is the whole... Now, but then where do you go? And this is where it gets all kind of confused, especially here in Japan. Because a whole bunch of things got mixed up together, and the uh, deceased is expected to do several things at once. Number one is, the traditional view is he would, or she, depending which nostril he or she came out of, would find a new body, mm -hmm. right? But the Japanese don't like that, because that means that their grandpa or grandma is going to go to a new family. Ah. That's not a that's not a popular belief here. So it's actually not emphasized in Japanese Buddhism so much. Much more emphasizes that grandpa or grandma is going to the pure land. Hmm. Which is, is not really heaven because even in Buddhist these realms, you're not there 
permanently. Very long time, perhaps, but not forever. So it's a kind of purgatory, but a more positive one than Dante's purgatory. Oh, it's better in purgatory. I mean, it's a nice place. Nice place. Okay. I mean, it depends what you say nice. I wanted the place with like free ice cream. Do they have good views and nice food? I wanted a place with a good buffet, an open bar, you know, no, you know, no, not a cash bar, like the free thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But you're not going to get that in Buddhism because we're Buddhists, right? You're not going to get a, a, a bar. Uh, maybe uh, you're going to get lotuses to sit on and uh, and uh, you're not going to need food because you're never hungry. Right, because you're dead. Right. And un unlike the, our Islamic friends, you're not getting virgins because we have no sex up there. Yeah. We don't need sex. So all that. So it's kind of but it's 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 a it's a very positive realm. But the Japanese also want grandma or grandpa to come back so they and to stay in the house. So there's a place in the house where they actually reside, called the Butsudan, the family Buddhist altar. Uh, it may be just a telephone to the Pure Land. I'm not never clear on that. Is Grandpa and Grandma actually there? Or when you sit at the Butsudan and you want to talk to Grandma and Grandpa, you're kind of, it's, uh, how to say, the, 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 a Buddhist Skype. Mm. Uh, we're, we're talking there. Maybe now I should say Zoom, my Buddha Zoom. Yeah. Uh, and you can talk to grandma and grandpa. So the, the Japanese are, are very ambiguous on what this all means. Okay. So you're in the waiting room, you're looking for a womb, but you're not able to choose a human womb necessarily, depending on your no. karma points. So I guess you just get the wombs that correspond with your level of karma. Is that it? You get the, yes. The womb that's available. No, you get the womb that you deserve. Now, there's a whole list here. Ah, deserve. That's the thing. That's the thing. Now, so it's a meritocracy here. Here's the list, the traditional list, okay? The best place to be born is, you would think, to be a god in heaven. But actually, no. The best place to be born is to be human, because the human has the ability to have not too much suffering, but not too much pleasure. And here we can practice Buddhism and someday become Buddhas. Sounds pretty convenient, if you ask me. Yeah, especially since we're the, the people. So it's yeah. good. We must have done something good in the past to be people now. A lot of people, though, would like to come back as the gods. Mm. The gods. And the, the gods live above us. Now, they're not god like the, the, the Christian god. They're gods with a small g. And there's a whole bunch of them. May I read you a, a small list here? Yeah, we don't have much time for you to read the whole list. Yeah, no, it would go on for quite a while because uh, I got at least the uh, items 19 through 41 of where the Buddha said you could reborn. He said, one who observes conduct in accordance with the Dhamma, righteous conduct, should wish that on the dissolution of the body after death, he might reappear in the company of the... Number 19, gods of the realm of 33. Number 20, gods of the who have gone to bliss. Number 21, the contented gods. Number 22, gods that delight in creating. And it goes on like that quite a bit. What they've basically done is, uh, I think as uh, Buddhism spread through India and the rest of Asia, if they found a good god, they just said, ah, bring him in. Bring him in there. We'll put him in there with the other gods. And they incorporated all the gods. And they got a thesaurus as well. Yeah. So you got all these different gods in their god realm, some of them above, some of them below. They're, 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 but that's not the place you want to be because it's incredibly pleasurable, but 
eventually, because it's so pleasurable, you're going to drop it back down here. It's a dead end. Yeah, but there's not just one of each of these gods. Like the god of perfect bagels, there could be millions of them, right? I like that. The god of perfect bagels. I want to go there. That's... <laughs> no, there, there are all these gods in their god realm. But, and, and their life is incredibly pleasurable. So pleasurable that they get whatever they want. And, and it is not a good thing. Now, if you're someone like me who takes this in a symbolic way, which I'm going to do here, we're going to see that these all can be interpreted as psychological states. Yes. This God might be, for example, the fellow whose life is so pleasant, so pleasurable, that it becomes kind of empty. Hmm. It kind of is a dead end. You know, the guy who gets everything he wants. What does he want? He's never happy. He just wants more. And then we elect him president. No, I shouldn't say that. But uh, <laughs> you know what I mean. But once you become one of these gods, you're not reborn again, right? That's why you're saying it's a dead end. No, 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 no. You are reborn. You're going to stay there a long, long time. Buddhist link, long time. I, originally in early Buddhism, people were getting enlightened right and left, but then eventually it got longer and longer and it could be millions of lifetimes. So you could be up there for, uh, you know, years and years and eons and eons and eons. And eventually you're going to drop back down. Now, where are you going to drop? Because, you know, there's no place to go but down. So yeah. if you're lucky, you'll come back to human because as we determine, that's the good place. But then if not, where else could you go? Ask me where else you could go. Where else can you go? Okay. Now, we have... Now, the, you know, the list changed. Buddhist lists, which are describing the universe for all eternity, somehow changed. And the one change was the, the demigod, the asuras, the fighting asuras. It sounds like a football team. From some Midwest college in the United States. Yeah. This is a funny thing. Nobody's quite sure, first off, that the asuras were not already there. And sometimes they're actually put above, and sometimes they're put below. And they're not, no one's really sure if it's a bad thing or a good thing. They have a tendency to be fighters, argumentative folks who like conflict. And for that reason, I, if you're going to take this again psychologically, it's exactly that. People who got, you know, kind of anger issues a bit. And, um, you know. But but wait, this this is a good thing to be reborn as a fighting Asura? You see, that was the thing, because sometimes they're above us on the list, which is kind of weird. But then you think, but they're fighting for something good. Right. They're righteous fighters. Right. They're Superman. Okay. They're they're fighting for civil rights, that sort of fighter. Yeah, right. They're 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 the, the god on the white hat, but sometimes they're below us on the list. So no one knows really where to put these guys because they're latecomers. Uh, and, but, uh, well, can't we just ask them? Yeah, sure. <laughs> and, uh, okay. Now this is the next one below the Asuras come the animals. And this is where I've, I've actually had some, you know, words and arguments. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Arguments. I'm an Asura, I guess I've had some. Uh, yes. There you go. With the uh, animal lovers who will say, what do you mean? My cat is below me. I would love to become a cat in my next life. Cats are better than humans in, in many ways. But according to traditional Buddhist beliefs, they are prisoners of their instinct, never satisfied, always killing on the hunt. Again. Or begging for food. Yeah, but you know, I, 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 I'm not sure that's true for all animals. In some ways, I, I, I'm convinced the animals are wiser than us. 
So I have a little trouble with this category, too. I think many animals are wiser than us, but they are prisoners of their instinct because they can't open cans of cat food. They don't have thumbs. So they either need humans to feed them or they need to kill other animals to live. Wait a second, wait a second. Well, you haven't said anything about what's wrong with their instincts. You just said they don't have thumbs, which, okay, I guess... What it means is that in order to live, they have to kill other animals. They can't get food any other way. They can't go to a supermarket with a, you know, a debit card or whatever and buy food. Right. That's that's our big advantage, our moral superiority. We can go to the supermarket and buy the cat food and open it with our thumbs. And we have thumbs. Yes, we have thumbs. That's so millions of years of not only uh, biological evolution, but uh, good karma and we have the opposable thumb. Yes. yes. But anyway, the animals are, and they're, they're on a sliding scale. Everybody here is on a sliding scale. Okay. You got your animals, you got your lesser animals, then you got your worms. You could come back as a, as a, a stink bug. I don't know where, well, you know, you're getting down there uh, towards the bottom. And uh, so this is uh, the animal realm, but then you have below them, the hungry ghosts. Now, are these, really ghosts in traditional buddhism people thought of them as ghosts and you had to appease their spirits and we have ceremonies to appease them but we also have ceremonies to feed them the hungry ghosts are truly never satisfied there the most famous story of the hungry ghosts is a beautiful one it's uh, in in their little realm it's not quite hell but they're sitting in their little realm and there's a feast on the table and they have spoons now if the spoons are so long that they cannot reach their own mouth, but, so they cannot get the food. If they would just feed the person across the table from them, everyone could be satisfied. But they're so hungry and so selfish, they cannot. And in the traditional picture, which you'll link to, it looks like a big stomach with a, a head that's like a big sucker to pull in the food, but the throat is tiny. The food cannot pass the throat, you see. This is the traditional image of the hungry ghost. Cannot be satisfied. Well, if they had opposable thumbs, they could figure out how to bend the spoon and feed themselves. Ah, oh, back with the thumbs again. It has nothing to do with thumbs. They got the little throat, okay? They can't even... The, they got... The, anyway, all right? Now we're getting down to hell. Now, we got hells in Buddhism. Wait, wait, wait. You mean the hungry ghost thing isn't hell yet? No, 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 That no. they've got all this food, they've got this, this big buffet, all you can eat, and they can't eat anything, and that's not hell? No, that, that's just someone who's, how to say, making their own endless dissatisfaction. But the hells, I'm telling you, the Buddhist hells, and I've seen pictures of these everywhere from China to Thailand to, to Japan, painted on walls. I've seen them in Tibet images of these hells, they would make a Mississippi preacher blush, pass out, <laughs> faint. We're talking, not only you got your devils with your pitchforks, which, you know, some of this, I, I really think down the Silk Road, some of these things must have come back and forth. I really recently found out this. This is getting away from our subject today. You know the canon statue of Bodhisattva canon? Yeah. That looks very much like the Mother Maria sometimes holding a baby. It is so much the Mother, uh, you know, the Madonna holding a baby mm -hmm. that some hidden Christians in Japan, this is really a footnote, guys, so we're off the topic now. They would use it to hide the fact that they were worshiping the Madonna because it looks so much the same. 
Well, it was the same because actually Christian merchants came to China. They brought their artwork. Yeah. And it is most definitely a copy of the Christian statues. All right. Yeah. So maybe the hell images are just the same. But you have people being, uh, what's the, you're with, good with the words there, the big words. What does it mean when you get uh, skinned? Flayed. Flayed. Yes. yes. They're getting flayed and filleted <laughs> and uh, defenestrated, thrown out of windows and uh, tossed in the, uh, in the room of spikes. And you not only have the hot hells, you got the cold hells, and then you got the even colder hell. And then you got the hell that's so bad. I'm... Anyway, you got all these hells, and therefore really bad folks. I've recently been reading uh, a book about England in the 17th century, and it was common to draw and quarter people and then put their heads on a pike. And this was supposedly, you know, after the, after the Renaissance, and, and people were supposedly civilized. So these were kind of like Buddhist hells, weren't they? Yeah, well, I, I've watched Game of Thrones, too. But I, th I, think, I think we're coming back to this day and age. We've got to be a little careful here. With uh, yeah. Hopefully we don't, we don't go there. But uh, yes, things uh, have uh, improved, but not in uh, in hell. And hell there goes on. Uh, it's not eternal like the Christian hell. That's the one advantage. Yes, I was going to ask you, is is there a way to get out? Well, there are many ways to, to get out. One is uh, we have our little savior figures, like the Madonna, like Jizo, another Bodhisattva. They will come back to hell occasionally and, how to say, give everybody a pardon and uh, give them another chance. Uh, and uh, when you work, you see you're burning up your karma down there in hell. So when your karma, your account is back and balanced, then you start moving up again. There's nowhere where to go but up. Right. So then... Right. Uh, so your, your, your karma bit is registering the bad karma that's being taken off your account until you get even, and then you get a chance to go up a level. Exactly. Now... Again, I'm not sure I believe in this literally, which is probably why I'm going to end up there. That's what I was saying <laughs> at the beginning, you know, uh, and anyone who... Well, I hate to say it, it all sounds quite fanciful, doesn't it? I think believing it's fanciful is actually said in some of the sutra books. The first, if you who believe it's fanciful, you're going to end up there. So, I mean, it's... <laughs> so one of the Buddha's arguments, this is, it's very interesting. Gil Fronsdale, we can link to it, has a wonderful argument about why he actually doesn't think that rebirth was so important in the early uh, Indian suttas, and it became more important later. That's his argument. But the Buddha, somewhere in there, and I was saying, when we came to the podcast today, I was saying, I'm having a senior sutta moment, because I cannot remember the name of the sutta, uh, which we will, I will find, and we will link to it. But the Buddha basically made uh, the argument of uh, what what was the argument that you should believe in God because you got nothing to lose? What was the famous one from Western philosophy? Pascal's wager. He made Pascal's wager about the hell. He said to the folks, OK, suppose you don't buy what I'm selling here. Suppose you don't believe it. What do you have to lose? Be good anyway. Mm. If there is an afterlight and you're, and you're good, you'll get a better rebirth. And if there is no afterlife, at least you were still good in this life, which is what I personally advise people. Because I believe, I don't know if I believe in hells with fire and brimstone, but I've seen enough people make living hells for themselves and those around them in this world. That is hell. See, that's the thing. We can make our own heaven and hell every day, depending on our actions to ourselves, to others. And it 
we don't need to think about the eternal hell. If we just think about the hell today and the heaven today, that should be enough to move us to try and make things better. And I see people reborn every moment where they may be good one moment and the next minute fall into excess attachment and greed or fall into anger the next moment. It's like you're being reborn. You know, this is how I personally take it. So uh, I could be a hungry ghost one moment. I could be a fighting Azura one moment. I could even be a god who's, you know, just uh, in my pleasure palace, dropping my opium, you know, there. Or the god of perfect bagels. I, could, I, I you know, can I tell you something? Uh, we got room for a bagel. Bagel's not going to kill you. Well, it's a joke. <laughs> it's not going to kill you. You're not going to get reborn. Bagels are fine. <laughs> An excess of bagels? Maybe so. Okay, where do we go from here, Roshi? I hope someplace up. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe in iTunes or in your favorite podcast app. Please give us a rating. Tell your friends. You can check out past episodes at our website, zen-of-everything.com. Thanks for listening.